Hi everyone, hello and welcome to episode 26 of the Verbal Reasoning Podcast. As always, I'm joined by Steve and we're just going to get straight into it. You know, we'll talk about some of the headline news that have come out this week. Uh, before we get on to the straight up headline news though, mm. let's talk a little bit about, uh, did you see Heidelin Diaz win the um, uh, 2020 Olympics? You know, she won gold for Very emotional. Weightlifting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think, I, th- I think so. I think it's the one that, you know, she's, I don't know her backstory specifically, but I believe that she's been competing for a while, you know, struggled to to get past. I think she got bronze in the last three. And then in this uh, Olympics, which to be honest, probably is her final one uh, due to her age and how long it takes for each Olympic. She like achieved a gold medal and, you know, midway through broke down in a dramatic way. It looked like, an, it looked like something from a film. Do you know what I mean? Like got towards the end and you can see the smile on her face and her yeah, breaking I'll give, down. I'll give some uh, context to it. So in 2008, she came second to last. And then um, in 2012, she did not finish. So oh, I wow. believe she failed the like lift. So she couldn't, yeah. she couldn't actually finish it. And then in 2016, she won a silver medal. Mm. And then obviously in 2020, now she's won the first ever gold medal for the Philippines. Um, and she's obviously being revered rightly so as a hero and, you know, as someone to really look up to and so on and so forth. Um, but where I wanted to kind of take the conversation and the reason why I brought it up was because I work with Filipino people and obviously, you know, you do that when you're in healthcare, um, especially this country kind of owes a massive debt um, to, you know, people who come from the Philippines to work in the NHS and so on and so forth. So I'm surrounded by um, Filipinos uh, all around. And uh what they kind of explained to me was that while this you know woman was training she didn't have any of the facilities she didn't have any of the help um mm. she was actually i think just prior to the olympics she was lifting bottles of water mm. um rather than actual like official weights and stuff because again this the facilities weren't provided to her um and now that she's flown back to the philippines obviously she's in quarantine but i think she got facetimed by president duete who was like, you know, oh, we're very proud of you and so on and so forth. But, you know, I, I just wanted to kind of bring up that this topic and this discussion because I just feel, well, why didn't you do anything to really get her there beforehand? I mean, you know, there's even discussions of her having a statue being erected in her name. But, you know, when she was in the process of actually, you know, training and, you know, getting this gold, no one really helped her, if I'm being honest with you. It no doesn't one- seem like the infrastructure was there at all for her. I mean, they won't care until you get results. Uh, It's it's like most things in life. People won't bother until they see you doing well, then they want a piece of it. So I'm not that surprised. But it's really interesting how, like, despite all of that, like with the minimal stuff, you can still be an elite athlete because that's what she is. If she has a gold medal, she's literally top, like, 1% or maybe even less. So it's – well, she definitely is because she has a record, right? So – that's uh that's really impressive for me. It's more the mentality that she has. But yeah, the country itself, I mean, you can argue that maybe the Olympics isn't a priority, but don't do all the clout later on, like, you know, pretending like, oh, you know, we helped you out and because of us, you made it here. When in reality, she made herself get there. <laughs> yeah, I think, um. so like th- this made the, uh, you know, I've got a little book. I don't know if I've mentioned it on this podcast or if it was in the bonus episodes but um, you know I write down quotes that I like um, and I sometimes just use it as a journal to be honest but um, so one of the this kind of made me think of one uh, by Stephen Jay Gould who said I am somehow less interested in the weight and convolutions of Einstein's brain 
than in the near certainty that people of equal talent have lived and died in cotton fields and sweatshops. So it made me think of that quote for the simple reason that, you know, there's talent there that we obviously have not cultivated in any way as a society, regardless of the country. Mm. And how many people like Ahidelin Diaz, who are, you know, potentially gold medal winning athletes or who are great in their field, are failed time and time again by the society and the systems that are set up around them. And how much of this talent could have actually helped us? You know, maybe you can say, oh, this is just the Olympics. It's just weightlifting. But, you know, there's many different fields that suffer from this same sort of problem. And it's, you know, I, I again, I saw a, a tweet today of um, an artist in Africa who had built a 3D model of a basically an Olympic village uh, just from scrap in his garden. And, I, you know, I was just thinking if this guy had access to, you know, what we have maybe here or, you know, if he had gone to like Juilliard or whatever, one of these fancy schools, you know, where, what would his, um, what would his outcome have been? What would his outlook have been? Mm. Uh, you know, this kind of just led me down the rabbit hole of, of thought with how, you know, how unfair it is that somebody like a Heidelin Diaz only gets the clout after they've put in all of this hard work with no help from anyone else and for their own personal endeavor, get to where they are. And then it's like, Oh, you know, we're so proud of you. We, we helped you in this or we, you know, people try to take bits of it for themselves as if they've done anything. But I think she's like solidified her legacy more than she would have if it was a normal committee, a normal Olympic running, if that makes sense. Because think about all the other Olympians that won gold. You probably don't remember any of their names. But this one, because of her story and because of her background and, you know, how she got there to the top, it's going to be a story that you remember. I'm not saying it, it justifies it, but it's kind of is is interesting how yeah, know, it definitely, humans, it definitely appreciate makes that. it more memorable. For mm. sure, yeah. Like the, just the fact that she's she's struggled so much on the on the come up, but it's a bit like I, I I'll try to find her name. But there was a Syrian uh, swimmer who was competing in the Olympic Games, and I, I think kind of like the fetishization of her story as well, where it was kind of like, oh yeah, you know, when she was migrating away from the war in Syria, then she you know had to swim in, in the ocean, mm. and she had to steer the boat, and now she's swimming in the Olympics, and it's like. Yeah, but do you not see how sad that is that someone who's potentially got so much like talent had to go through all of that hardship and they don't they just they fetishize the fact that she actually made it but not about all the kids that drowned along the way do you know what i mean it's, yeah no i get what you mean yeah they, they use it to sell the competition which is yeah I agree. rather than actually looking at the core root of the problem which is why are these people not getting the support that they deserve yeah it's distasteful to be honest i i hate when i see stuff like that and i think they think they're doing a good thing by doing that. It's like, oh, we're explaining their stories. Yeah, it comes in a time and point, but yeah, I mean, it's it like, shouldn't be the focus. Her name is Yusra Mardini. She's mm. from Syria. And like, I'm just looking up articles under her name. It's like from rescuing refugees at sea to competing in the Olympics. Syrian uh, swimmer Yusra Mardini provides message of hope. Uh, refugee Olympic team swimmer Yusra Mardini, blah, blah. Like, it's just, there's a, there's a massive fetishization of like, Oh, look at all the hardship these people go through. But no one's ever coming out and saying, well, why do they have to go through that hardship? I mean, Michael Phelps didn't really go through hardship. He grew up in a middle-class mm. household but with loving parents. And he still is, what, he's the most decorated Olympic athlete of all time. Could mm. could someone like Heidelin Diaz have been um, the most decorated, you know, weightlifter of all time had she been given the resources from the get-go rather than finishing second to last, did not finish silver and then gold? But it's, it's again, one of those things where you know, as a nation, there's only so much money and 
I feel like no, no. I mean, I just mean generally, like not yeah, necessarily yeah. for Olympics, but I mean, you know, but, why is it that people like it when you struggle rather than people like it? I, just, I, I don't think it's the fact that you struggled, but they like they like listening to overcoming adversity. Mm. I think that's what it's. People like to hear about how you've overcome the. You know, it's pretty impressive. Like the overwhelming odds of failing, you manage to do it, and that's how people gain respect from other mm. people. Is in tough times. Can you know? They say like, what did Khabib say? Something about like tough times show who you really are. Um, so no, no, he, he yeah, he said something around the lines of money shows who you are. Mm-hmm. So it's like yeah, you can go through tough times and everything. Everyone will be on your side, but then when you get the money, like Connor did, for example, that will show who you really are. Like Connor went around punching old men, snorting coke, doing all sorts of shit. Mm-hmm. But then when Khabib, you know, became wealthy and famous he didn't really change his behavior in any way if anything he got more humble so it's like you know i guess i get i get i get where it's coming from in terms of like why people enjoy these kind of stories and also I mean, like, when i was watching it i was near you know near tears like wow this is amazing that she managed mm. to do this but you know I, I just feel like a further conversation needs to be had about okay well next time maybe we shouldn't make her suffer so much yeah but like at the same time even if they had all the let's say like they had all of the resources you still like appreciate adversity you still want to hear the story of like how this guy woke up every morning and went on a mad run you know you know those motivational youtube videos yeah i just, I don't, know, I just don't think it's that healthy though is it to to i think yeah i think love it can. that idea of like oh yeah people overcoming like sometimes bro you don't need to overcome nothing i'm just glad that you're a good athlete in it like <laughs> sometimes it's like oh you know well done you're really good like I, I still like michael phelps he didn't necessarily grow up in gaza did he you no no but it's, it's not about, like, but i'm not talking about the gaza concept it's the, it's the concept that he put in 10 times more than other athletes have put in do you know what i mean it's like the arnold schwarzenegger when he goes on a rant about you know you know everyone's left the, the gym 24 still, hours yeah that's what i mean like yeah. it, it's not even a a positive poverty gaza thing it's just the mentality is the mentality yeah, i'm sure hydlin diaz would have put in all of that oh for sure effort, for sure even if she was in a five-star gym you know what i, mean? I agree like, i agree but yeah. what i'm saying is that we'll never get away from not wanting those stories even if people do love as you said that that kind of story of like you know overcoming uh, you know there was a mountain and i had a chisel and i worked my way through it sort of or well, <laughs> putting people... like beyond yeah, yeah. the work that i needed yeah, yeah. it's impressive i see like I, I don't know i think because we know what it takes to do any work mm. and some of us aren't willing to do what elite athletes do to get there bro i went to the gym for an hour today boy i'm laid out i can't do nothing else for the rest <laughs> of the day i'm finished yeah man i did a good like 45 minutes i'm done for the week man i can't do it I'm, I'm finished. If I was an Olympic athlete, definitely, definitely at the bottom of the line. Uh, I wouldn't, you even, wouldn't even qualify for the Olympic. Like, do you know what I mean? But let's say somehow that you paid your way in. You, exactly. Be like, even if finish 10 hours later, they're waiting for Steve to come to the finish line. Even if I was doping, I'll come like 20th. I'm telling you, man. There's no way. These athletes oh, are actually monsters. Speaking of doping, mm. so you do you want to like maybe expand a little bit on the Russian uh, athletes and what's going on there? Because... Um, you know, yeah, when they, you say doping in, in sports, you've got to talk about the Russian athletes. Mm-hmm. Well, the, my understanding is that, um, so basically the Russian, uh, the actual Russian state uh, for competing on in the Olympics have been banned due to uh, doping. Uh, I think they received a two-year ban uh, between December, 20, uh, December 17th, 2020 to December 17th, 2022 um, from the World Anti-Doping Agency. 
and therefore the the athletes are actually competing under a name called the ROC which is the Russian Olympic Committee and essentially they can't uh if they win the they don't have the Russian badge on them the national anthem isn't played instead it's uh, Tchaikovsky a, a Russian uh, composer from back in the day you know they're trying to be as neutral as possible to show that hey you know Russia's not here and uh, there's been a bit of controversy because I believe there was an American swimmer that was complaining about one of those athletes. Hella and, uh, soy, bro. Hella so soy. You're, you're not in the ocean yet. You don't need to be this soy. What, what a ridiculous thing to say. You know, you know he goes, um, what did he say? He said something around the line of, oh, they're probably doping anyway. And then the yeah, guy yeah. who's from Britain came third was like, oh, you know, it's hard because you don't know if the guy that you're facing is, is clean or not. Mm-hmm. And they're soy, bro. Anyway, carry on, Steve. Bare sorry, but like, the thing is, they've got a point. In my opinion, if this is what I think the opening should should be like, if they catch you, if if they have any hard evidence, it's banned for life. Let's not play around with this two year ban, one year ban. You what know, what kills me is the gains that you made under mm. under um, you know your heads or whatever. They don't just miraculously disappear over two years. Like whatever gain, physical gain you made, if you carry on working out, even when you're off the peds, you'll still be able to, to some extent, maintain it. And it's a definite boost to your yeah, physical yeah. ability. Exactly. So regardless of whether or not you are found and banned for two years, Olympics are every four years. So yeah. by the time the next Olympics come around, you're like roided, you know, you've got your roid gains and then you're just going to go into the next Olympics and just batter your, batter your competition. That being said, I do feel like Pretty they're, much all of them are on peds. Like that's what I'm everyone. saying. But that's the thing. Like I reckon that most of them are on some kind of supplement that is yeah, more than just creative. Is just be a bit ahead of whoever. Like just be a bit ahead of the science in terms of the anti-doping agencies. So like you know exactly. these are just government level sure. conspiracies, bro. This isn't like Mm-mm. you know this isn't like oh I just went down to my local gym and this dodgy guy gave me a syringe with steroid. Like this is government level scientists are like oh yeah we found this supplement that you can use which the anti-doping agency doesn't even know of at the moment. Yeah, I, like, I actually think there's a lot of doping going on in the Olympics. I can't prove it, but it just don't sit right with me that people can be that athletic. I, just, I don't know, bro. Sports science has come so far, and I feel like, you, exactly like you said, they're just a step ahead of the agencies. You know, they, they find out a new compound that isn't banned, that has, you know, similar effects to the previous one that they can now use, and they can call it, you know, oh, it's just a normal supplement. But in reality, it's actually, you know, uh, I don't know, obviously not HGH, but let's say something equivalent to HGH, but under a different chemical name until the, the agency catches up and then the sports science moves on again. So I'm, I wouldn't be surprised, man. I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. Um, so I don't know, man. I always feel like there's always like a, a thing on Russian athletes as well. You know how they just expect them there to be There is a like stigma cheaters. there. There is a stigma there, yeah. And there's a reason because I, f- I believe they were also banned in the 90s because they found out... Bro, they're the just whole... not very good at cheating. That's my the way, the yeah. way I see it. I think everyone's cheating. I just think they're not very good at hiding it. So because of that, it's like, oh, they're always cheating. But I'm 90%... Now, you know, I say I'm 95% confident that that sort of stuff goes on everywhere, including, including America, including China, mm-hmm. including all these places. Like, I, mean, I find remember, it very odd, man. Remember when, um, I believe his name was Armstrong, the cyclist. Uh, so he didn't get popped for any of his competitions, but they used to keep the blood in like freezers and stuff until years uh, later when they had the science that caught up 
and he is that how he got caught? Yeah, yeah. No way, because I was, you know, when we were just discussing, it, I was thinking, why don't they just hold on to samples from previous Olympians and then test them later on? That's how he got caught. That's yeah. how he got caught. No yeah. way. They didn't have the technology to figure it out back then. I remember and... how he he had the whole bracelet thing going mm. on, and because he, he had he had some type of cancer, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, and he was like a big motivational, you know, oh, look at the hardships sort of, there you mm. go, tying in the first topic as well. Like, look at all the hardships and stuff that he's gone through and he's an Olympic level, you know, not an Olympic level, sorry, but he's like, he won the Tour de France a few times, right? Yeah, yeah, many, a few times, bro. He was like, a clitch undefeated of, of that, yeah. Yeah, uh, that's crazy. And then I didn't realize that's out, how he yeah. got caught. Yeah, years later, they figured it out. They tested his blood, his previous blood, and they just got rid of all of his medals. Because he was an actual disgrace. Like he cheated in nearly every one of the competitions. <laughs> fat L. Fat L. But here's the thing though. Like, if you know athletes are gonna push their body to the limit, if you know they're gonna cheat like that, my opinion is that they should have a two-way system, one for tested, so i.e. natural uh, lifters or whatever, natural com- com- uh, competitors, and then one for legalized the steroid one. Say, look, this one is PED. Do whatever you want. Now, you know why they would never do that, though? Because I feel mm. like that Olympics or that competition would absolutely destroy the other competition. No one would want to watch the original one. Because, fam, do I want to see someone run 100 meters in 10 seconds or do I want to watch them running in five? Do you, do you see what I'm saying? Like, Bro, if they lift the lid, it'll be running two. I'm telling you. <laughs> bro, I'm telling you right now, like, we will see crazy. Because as I said, when you're talking Olympics level doping, you're not talking... Oh yeah, dodgy guy made it in his basement. You're talking like somebody who who's literally studied chemical biology or whatever, and they've they've made these elite steroids, right? Mm. So if you had a competition where you just said let them just do whatever the hell they want, I mean, technically you're still looking at how far the human body can be pushed, right? Yeah, it's yeah, got it is, yeah. yeah, you've got drugs and stuff, but at the end of the day, what you're trying to do is figure out, oh, is this um, you know, is it, how far can we push the human body? Do you think no one would watch a natural one? I would watch a natural one. Bro, I think I think I'd initially people would be like, no, I respect the natty athletes more and they'll watch the natty ones. But then after like maybe five, you know, five or six Olympics passes, eventually you'll be like, you know, you'll treat it kind of like how you currently would treat maybe, I don't know, the, the Paralympics, right? Where it's like, yeah, you know, I'll watch it. Why not? But really, I think the most of the viewership goes to the regular Olympics. Oh, like women's it? sports as well. I would like, yeah, it's, it's like records just can't be as big as men's ones, yeah, yeah, because, uh, yeah, because like the, the amount being lifted, the speeds that are being run at, you know, etc. Um, because of stuff like that, people always want to see whoever they deem to or whoever they believe to be the best, right? So you're mm. always going to go end up watching the, the steroided up athletes. Mm, I see what you mean, yeah, you want to see the best and not the subpar, but I guess what in tennis we watch both in tennis, we watch. It's pretty popular to watch. Uh, I, I watch a lot of women tennis, um, yeah, yeah, especially so Wimbledon, etc. And it's really competitive at mm. their level. Do you know what I mean? At, at the when you yeah, but imagine, imagine if you if you had a league of nothing but Serena Williams, mm. like everyone was on Serena steroids. Williams level. Yeah, mm. I mean, I don't know. I think she's on steroids or anything, but just because she's so far ahead of everyone yeah, else, yeah, so like yeah. prime Serena Williams. You've got a whole league full of prime Serena Williams, and then you've got the regular Wimbledon. Mm. Will you even bother watching the regular Wimbledon? I don't think you would. Mm-mm. It depends how they market it. This is where yeah, exactly. it depends on the marketing and, marketing and stuff as well. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. I think this is where the, the committee would have responsibility, but at least you'd like separate the two. I feel like that's more fair. And so people can actually compare. But you know what? Even then, 
people will be competing in the non-tested one and low-key doing drugs just to be the best in the non-tested one. Bro, do you know what I mean? I'll do that. Fuck, yeah, you know, yeah, fuck, fuck it, off. I'll do that. <laughs> Give me that gold. Actually, you know what? You know what we can talk about next? Um, speaking of like gold-level winning athletes, Simone Biles, who's a gymnast, mm. um, she's literally won fucking every competition she's, she's one goal that every she's so good that when she when she technically fails a move the move is still so good that they name moves after her that's she's like the michael jordan of her sport she's just ridiculously good she pulled out of the olympics for and she cited mental health uh, reasons mm. you know people who look like they would have a heart attack climbing up a flight of stairs i <laughs> here's morgan yeah are now talking about how she's like mentally weak and how she's a coward and how she's this and she's that and how she shouldn't have ever quit. What's your thoughts on her on her saying that, you know, she's pulling out because of mental health issues? Well, there's nothing wrong with that. If you don't want to compete, you don't compete. It's fine. I don't understand the weak... Piers Morgan is just an attention whore. I don't even listen to that guy anymore. You know, what, we're not going to mention him again. That was it. We said his name three times, but we're not going to mention that individual again. But without mentioning him, let's talk about the actual topic itself. Is it even like whose life is it? Is the person's life? Is the athlete's life? Yes, she d- probably does understand very well that by missing out one Olympics, you know, you only have like three in your life if you're lucky, if you're good enough. And so she's really going to reduce her chances of, of competing again. But then again, if you're happy with coming out, why? Like, who am I to tell you you're doing the wrong thing? Bro, live your life. Like, she's Bro, living her the, life. You know what kills me? She's the greatest of her sport ever. Like, it's not even up for discussion. She's won so, like, she's won every single competition she's in. Like, she's ridiculously good at it. So it's like, if this was somebody who you thought, like, okay, maybe was pretending because she was scared of the competition, I, I, you know, even then I'll be like, well, you're being stupid, but. You know, to some extent, you'll be like, oh, yeah, maybe she is scared. But it's like the person you're talking about is, like I said, she's like the Michael Jordan of her sport. Mm. Like, what, what, where does the cowardice part come into it? Mm. Like, oh, the cowardice okay. part doesn't even play, you know, a slight role in the whole thing anyway. So it's, it's just very confusing how much hatred she got. And this guy, again, I don't know who he is. I'm not even going to say his name. But this idiot came out and he was like, oh, Michael Jordan would never do this. You know, she she's just she thinks she's the best, but she's clearly not. Blah blah. Michael Jordan took like three years off in the prime of his career because of mental health issues. What the fuck are you talking but, but like, about? Even if he didn't, well, like, why do you care? Like, well, why are we comparing? In no, that she's sense? not. You know, she's not like your dancing jester for to be there and perform for your mm. for your you know delight and your entertainment. This is a human being at the end of the day. If she feels like she can't, you know, she can't carry on with it because there's something called um, twisties apparently in uh, in gym, gymnastics which i didn't realize was a thing but basically what happens is mid movement your brain just goes blank right so my, and i think she had an injury maybe like 6 7 months ago because of that she was developing that kind of issue where mid movement mm. the brain just goes it's apparently something that's very common with gymnastics i guess it's got something to do with hand eye coordination yeah i guess so but like in the middle of what you're doing your body just kind of goes, oh, I, uh, what am I doing here? And just, it doesn't move or something like that. Right. So right. potentially, you know, if she's citing mental health issues and like, you know, mentally not being there. And I think she there was something about her saying to do with this twisties thing. Technically, you know, if she did, had decided to compete and in midair doing like a triple somersault or something, if she had had that and landed on her neck. You know, what, what were people going to say then? Were they going to all stand up and clap and say, oh, well done, good on her? No, they weren't. Oh, no, so, okay. bro, everyone would come out and be like, 
oh, mental health matters, guys, and all mm. of it. Like, you know what I mean? It's the same waffle that they always would it's do. It's bare waffle. I, I can't lie. Bare like, waffle. Look, it's her life. She didn't violate anything. Do you know what I mean? She, on her own, like, self, she took the responsibility and left, which for me is fine. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, it's she's not... taking agency over her own life and her own body. And yeah, she knows that. what she's, she what that, she's sacrificing. She sacrificed the opportunity, but that's her sacrifice. It's not yours. Why do you care? Do you know what I mean? Like you said, she's not a dancing puppet for you. If she wants to leave, then she leaves. That's that's. But then let me bring it back then. Remember with the tennis one? Naomi Osaka. Uh, yeah, we had a proper argument over that one. So, so, so like for me, there's a big difference between the two because one of them is like, you know, you actually have responsibility that you signed up for. And with this one, it's like, there is on her. Like she took her own responsibility to leave. And I feel like that's absolutely fine. And like so I should give before, a bit of context because I yeah. think that was on a bonus episode. So Naomi Osaka, um, I can't remember if it was at Wimbledon, but no, I think it was at no, the French it Open. It was French Open. Yeah. yeah so she, she basically said that she didn't want to do the media duties because it just wasn't good for her mental health. She was, she got anxiety and stuff like that. Uh, at which point they said, well, no, you have to do the media run. And so she said, okay, fine, I'm going to pull out the whole competition then because I just don't think it's good for our mental health. And obviously the argument we had at the time was that um, I think you were saying that if she doesn't do the media part of it but still competes, obviously that's an edge over her opponents that she doesn't have to take time out of her training schedule to do the media stuff, which she signed up for. So that, I, I, if I'm incorrect, yeah, I know. But, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. And then my thing was just, well, if she says that she's getting anxiety from it, like, why does she have to do it? But obviously, you know, you were pointing out that she had already signed the contract to say, no, I'm going to do the media run. So that was the kind of discussion we had with regards to Naomi Osaka. I think generally speaking, it's the same thing. Look, at the end of the day, she also pulled out of the competition as a whole as well. And when they pull out these competitions, does it affect their pockets? Yes. Does it affect their careers? Yes. And if they're willing to take that that hit to the to both of those things, that's fine. At the end yeah. of the day, it's, it's their, that's fine. It's their life. It's their you know they have agency over what they want to do themselves. I mean, it, it exactly. seems very odd that, like I said, people who have no kind of sports background whatsoever are coming out and talking about what elite athletes should and shouldn't do. Like, there's mm. um, uh, who was it? I think it was Adriano. Do you remember him? The the striker from Inter Milan. Oh yeah. So he had a lot of mental health issues as well, and we saw how his career went kind of downhill. He came out and he tweeted in support of Simone Biles and said, look, I've gone through the same thing. You know, you've done something that you should have done, which is you stepped away um, and you protected yourself. And that's the maddest cosign you can get because that, again, was an elite level footballer mm, who also had similar issues. So it's, you know, we see it. And it's, it's this kind of, um, what well, again, I don't want to say his name, but, you know, the, the, the one with the jowls. Mm, he, he was talking about like, uh, you know, he always has this extra bit of vim when it comes to women. Mm. where he wants to quickly say oh you're so weak and all of this but like you know this isn't something that's specific to it there's mental health issues like you know men have this all the time in all their the sports time. as well so like what the fuck are you talking about i don't know man that, that p guy he's mm. a p as well uh, yeah, yeah, i won't yeah. mention which p but like yeah like you said at the end of the day even the wimp uh, the tennis girl she pulled out on her own agency i don't think any no one has any say now at that point do you know what i mean yeah, it's their decision saying, why you open up your mouth uh i don't get it um, but I don't know, man. I feel like society always likes to dig at people, even though they can't do nothing themselves. It's similar to I think you remember the in boxing, Daniel Dubois versus Joe Joyce, yes, when he yeah. took the, you know he took the knee, he kind of gave up, and then people were saying, oh, he, he quit. 
oh, you know, you, you know what I mean? Like, Bro, a man's eye socket like, was in the back of his skull and they're talking about Wiley Green. <laughs> like, yeah, but like, it's like as if it's the end of his career. Oh, he, you know, he let himself, like he's absolutely horrible. He let boxing down, blah, blah, blah. Watch, in like 10 years time, he'll win, he'll win the world championship. And these same man will be like, oh my God, what an amazing athlete. But like, bro, we said this on so the podcast fickle. many times anyway, like especially when it comes to stuff like fighting sports. If you lose, it just means you fought someone worth losing against. You can fight a bunch mm. of journeymen your entire career, get a great record, have one good fight against the champion, beat him, and then you know, retire and say, Oh, I'm the best ever. Bro, like <laughs> you know, these these things are very arbitrary, stupid things. And I think if you genuinely like sports, you wouldn't sit there and argue over topics like that and say, Oh exactly. no, he took one L here or oh, no, this person pulled out of this competition for whatever reason. It's just stupid, isn't it? And can I say, like, after the fact, nobody cares about you. Like, That's Muhammad saying, Ali, like, when he got you got to protect yourself, bro. You know, when he got Alzheimer's for basically, like, fighting his whole life, like, he never stopped having... Yeah, yeah he got Parkinson's, fights. I think, yeah. Yeah, sorry, yeah, Parkinson's. Like, no one cares. After the fact, no one cares that you've defeated your body for their entertainment. So you shouldn't care at the time. If you don't feel like you can do it, don't bloody do it. Like, this... You know what I mean? It's yeah, I think... Body, I think life, um, do what's best was, for you. I was watching an Ali documentary where he said, like, people rely on me and so I have to keep bringing in money because, like, you know, he had all these goodwill causes and, you know, he was a great humanitarian. So he was like, I have to keep fighting to be able to provide for all these various causes that I have. So he literally said, okay, I'm willing to give up my health uh, in order to, you know, support all these other people. But now when people look back at him and they go, oh, I'd never like to be like Ali fighting well into my old age. Like, they use him as, like, a cautionary tale when it's like, you know, the guy, the guy, what he'd done, he'd done for people who needed him. You know what I mean? But no one cares about that, as you said, after the fact. They're just going to use him as a cautionary tale and be like, oh, I don't want to be exactly. like Ali. I think it was Mayweather who was saying it. Mayweather, that little scumbag. Mayweather, Mayweather of all people saying, oh, I'll never want to be like Ali. Crazy, isn't it? Come on, man. Crazy. But that's my point. Like, there's no point as an athlete trying to please your fans because they'll forget you tomorrow anyway. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's the same so, thing with most things in life, isn't it? I mean, yeah, it is, you yeah. should do things that are good for you and not for others because as you said no one gives a shit really yeah 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 you're gonna bite your your own words in the end but um it's interesting and it's it's interesting that it's coming out more i feel like than before i feel yeah, like sure mental health progress. topic yeah sure some progress generally Mm-mm. i mean prior to this i don't remember i mean especially in the 90s there was absolutely nothing on mental health I mean, let's um, talk about Britney Spears then. <laughs> oh, mean, man. I don't want to make this into a free Britney podcast, but like, you know, Britney Spears was having a very public meltdown because of mm. the pressures of basically the media paparazzi, her father and so on. And I remember the way that was made into a big joke. You know, every everyone had a joke about Britney Spears on every late night TV show, in movies, yeah. in spoofs, in everything. It was always like, oh, let's make fun of Britney Spears. And now today... We see like what started off as a small free Britney movement has now become quite a mainstream thing where everyone's like, well, this woman actually deserves to have a life. Mm. Uh, so that goes to show the kind of change in attitude. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, she was, a, she was a kid. She was like, what, 16, 17? She was young. Time, mm-hmm. And they were like, you know, really sexualizing her and putting her onto the mainstream. She was a superstar. Mm. Worldwide, not just worldwide, like... Worldwide, bro. Not like just yeah. that. When it, you know when you say like worldwide, usually Americans think it, that means just America, but like genuinely worldwide. Like Japan, Africa. It doesn't matter where you go. She was like Michael Jackson level. Yeah, she was Michael Jackson or the pop star girls. Do you know what I mean? And You know, even Michael Jackson, like the guy was ridiculed his whole life, but he had very serious problems. Whether or not you believe the allegations, the guy had serious mm. mental health issues, right? Yeah. 100%. And it's like... You know, he was he also was ridiculed and made into a joke. But I feel like if that was happening today, 
yes, there would still be ridicule. Yes, there would still be jokes, mm. but there would be at least a, a sizable amount of their following, which would be like, well, actually, we understand where this person's coming from. And Kanye is a good example of that. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, he, Kanye is amazing. Yeah, so Kanye is an amazing guy. Like, he's, he's somebody who, you know, I don't agree with half of the stuff that he says, but everyone's also aware that he, you know, he has his own struggles too. And so there is a lot more understanding towards him than there might have been, let's say, 15, 20 years ago, if he had come out and publicly you know, said, oh, well, you know, I have mm. bipolar and, you know, even the whole thing where he said that I got liposuction. Like the whole body shaming aspect of that that would have come out 10, 15 mm. years ago would have been very different to today. I mean, I think we're starting to realise that they're human beings and not just things on the other end of the camera. And I think what might be a reason to that is that, in a sense, we're also experiencing that. Mm. Everyone's got a camera now. Everyone now knows how it feels to be, you know, if I... I throw you under the bus and I post a picture of you. That's not so flattering. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? I, I feel like we're more exposed to that side, so we can empathize now more than before. Where yeah, you know, and also like you yeah. know, you see their day to day. Like a lot of celebrities vlog, right? So you see the guy wake up mm. in the morning and he's just chilling with his kids, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's yeah. not just a you know a guy who sings in my on my radio or on my phone. It's an actual person that you know might be going through some struggles, which I think is the right direction to go. And guys like P. Mm. Um, are always going to stop people from just going towards the correct. They always want to take things back in the opposite direction. They always want to go backwards rather than forwards. Mm. You know, like what, what does your over-the-top criticism add to any discussion? And he's someone who also comes out and talks about, you know, when, when he's paid, right? Comes out and talks about, oh, yeah, guys, mental health is important. Yeah, well, if it's important, then why are you trying to stifle the conversation every opportunity you get? It's, it's really ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know, man. Again, this is his job. This is how he gets paid. This is what he's going to do. I'm not. I'm not surprised at all. But uh, do you remember when uh, Michael Jackson was <laughs> an interviewer asked him, you know, what do you think will happen when you die? And then he was like, Well, I'm never going to die. I mean, someone right there should have been like Mike, bro. <laughs> no, nah, you need mean, to take a holiday now. <laughs> who was it? Was it like Chris Rock? Uh, he had this bit right where he was talking about how they were asking Michael Jackson about, you know, oh, do kids sleep in your bed, right? And Michael Jackson would be like, yes. And then, like, he would say it as if it was, like, a normal thing. And yeah. the, the interviewer kept trying to throw him a line to be like, bro, like, you know, <laughs> give me something <laughs> here to out. work with. But yeah. he just kept going, it's normal. These children love the children. Like, it was like, you know, he just was so clearly not really with it mm. mentally. Like, he, I think... You know, regardless sure, of whether or not you believe the allegations, it's like, okay, let's say the allegations aren't true, right? Still, he that is issues. someone who's very, very ill. I mean, because mm. he thinks he's a child. He's a, he was a 50-year-old man when he passed away, and he still thought he was a child then. Like, I mean, mm. is, that, is that normal? No. It can't no. be. He was broken, man. Yeah, he was a broken guy, and he had a really tough upbringing and everything. And, like, again, we're talking about throwing people into limelight. Okay, Britney was 16. This guy was, like, fucking five, six, or however old he was when he yeah. was in the Jackson 5. So he's really been in the limelight from childhood. See guys like Macaulay Culkin and all of these, like, you know, they, when, when they were kids, they were in the limelight. And then when they grow up as adults, they all have these various, you know, issues because it is a very predatory business anyway. So, yeah, no, like, I think, I think... um uh, we've had a good little discussion about that about that topic, but uh, it might be time to move on mm-hmm. to some other other news. We'll just run through them. Uh, so Turkey, there's been a wildfire uh, in an area I believe called Manavgat, uh, and it's uh, four people have actually passed away in in the attempts to try and uh, quell the fire. But we're seeing an almost uh, 
you know, kind of like with Australian, the Australian wildfire, uh, fires spreading throughout the coastal regions. Um, and yeah, people are being evacuated and so on and so forth. And the, the Turkey's agricultural minister, Bekid Pakdemirli, has uh, said that bringing the fires under control may take some time. Mm-hmm. So uh, obviously, you know, we're hoping things uh, kind of have a good resolution and, you know, more wildlife, more humans, more, you know, farmland and everything doesn't get destroyed. But let's see. I mean, um, I feel like the the responses and stuff like that just isn't very, very good. There isn't enough preparedness uh, for these sorts of situations. But they're kind of tough. Uh, I don't know whether you've been. But it like, is tough. This is this is the thing. Like, I feel um, like when it happens, it gets out of control so quickly, and it's yeah. kind of more like containing the damage rather than eliminating yeah, like, the damage. It's a bit like what happened with the Australian wildfire, isn't it? Mm, like, exactly. it spreads so quick, you can't really do much. But at the same time, it's like uh, if you know that, for example, your country where these sorts of things happen relatively often, perhaps maybe have a few more planes that can drop. You know water or whatever available right Mm. or maybe invest a bit more in your firefighters so you don't have people who have to volunteer go in there and because one of the kids who passed away was a volunteer right Mm. so when i say like preparedness that's what i mean i just mean like invest a little bit more in your you know fire services so that if something like this does happen which you know especially with australia you know there's a lot of wildfires that happen just because of the sheer heat for example Mm -hmm. turkey is not as as common but it does happen Mm. um that being said they are looking into the possibility of this being an arson. So I believe somebody mm. was um, arrested a little while back trying to set fire into the region that is currently burning. Obviously, he mm. wasn't successful then, but then they've released him after 13 days. So again, when I say preparedness, it's like, well, if you see an arsonist trying to set fire to wildlife, you probably shouldn't release him after 13 days. Do you know what I mean? You should maybe mm. keep him a bit longer. But um, yeah, obviously, your thoughts go out to them. Uh, you know, I'm from Turkey myself, so obviously, I would like to see it resolved as quickly as possible. Have you ever been in like an area with a wildfire? No, no, I haven't actually. This is why I, I you know, if you're talking about my personal experiences, yeah, yeah. that's why I say, oh, I don't think it's that common, but it could be more common than I believe it to be. I've I've been in one before, not in mm. the wildfire, but like in a re- in the region where it was happening, mm. and I don't know how to describe it, but like the whole area, like the whole region, mm. goes up by five degrees. Oh, like really? you feel like you're also in the fire even though you don't see it which is it's insane like especially in a hot country that's already hot like it's and yeah crazy. like a turkey or a, you know i'm guessing in your case algae yeah, or whatever algebra, it's obviously yeah. going to be crazy it, hot it's crazy hot and it starts raining ash like yeah. it, i mean it's not actually raining it's just the ash being blown over mm. but it's like ash is falling down onto the ground like kind a of biblical looking scene almost isn't it yeah yeah you actually uh, feel like you're pompeii sort of vibes yeah, so I remember I was in the, in that region for like less than a day, but my God, like it was so disgustingly hot. And I feel for these guys that are actually like near the fire. Do you know what I mean? Like people that live there. Yeah, this is the thing. I mean, That's I saw life those of, um, videos coming out of people who were showing like their farms and their villages being burned down. And obviously that, that affects me quite a bit because that is the kind of background that my parents come from as well. So seeing that sort of stuff happen, obviously is very devastating. Um I, I believe Russian and Ukrainian planes were kind of came in to kind of help out to put the put the fires out. But so, you know, obviously that, that's a great sign of solidarity there from those countries. And obviously that's something that everything I think everyone should be very grateful for. That being said, uh, yeah, I hope it, it doesn't last much longer and they can overcome it. You know, thoughts and prayers and all of that. Mm. Um, but you yeah. know, it gets me thinking about like, what can we do to help solve that issue? 
my engineering mind is going off mm. and wouldn't it be cool i mean you don't even need planes actually wouldn't it be cool if you just had drones that knew where to go like this is what i mean in terms of preparedness right mm. you so immediately immediately you're thinking about okay costs you're thinking about what can be done what sort of systems can be put in but you know, surely when you saw the, even if, the, okay, I, I don't know what, with what frequency you have a wildfires in Turkey, but even looking at what happened in Australia, which was right, pretty much right at the beginning of the pandemic, sure, just looking at that, you should be like, hmm, maybe, maybe we should have, you know, maybe we should invest some money into, you know, scientists, uh, agricultural engineers or whatever to, to kind of look into what we could do should something like this happen. And I just don't think that that was ever even considered. Actually, I know it wasn't considered because I've watched the Turkish news all the time. So I know that not, no investment mm-hmm. of any sort was made. That's why I'm kind of having this criticism. But, but I guess also a calculation can be, you know, what is the damage compared to the cost of the damage compared to the potential cost of having these systems in place? And in a sick, fucked up way, it might be cheaper to just let it happen than actually prepare for it. Shall, shall I tell you something, though? Mm. It's like I'm not even worried about all of that surely like you should have uh something in place to say maybe okay let's say there was a wildfire in this region how are we going to get these people out do you know what i mean like stuff like that you know yeah. at least some kind of escape routes or maybe go to the those some sorts of regions yeah. and you know give some courses to people of okay if there is a fire here's what you should do like mm-hmm. i know that these things aren't in place in turkey which is why i'm having this yeah, criticism yeah. like I, I know that they don't do that sort of stuff um, but again, like I'm not criticizing them too heavy. You know me; I like to criticize the government crazy, but I'm not going to criticize them tough, ridiculously because it is a tough situation. Yeah, yeah, so I'm not going to sit here and be like, "Oh, you know, why didn't they do this? Why didn't they do that?" But I'm just saying that perhaps this should be something that you learn from going forward, and maybe think, "Okay, what can we do to kind of decrease the damage next time around?" Because it will happen again. You know, global warming and everything that's going on. You know, if we were talking about how we're going to tackle these things, it's like, well, that's one thing that we can try to. Do which again we talked about last episode, which will require legislative action. But you know, um, I think this conversation can grow deeper and deeper the more we go into it. So perhaps uh, I can read another go for article it. that is not so exotic, Steve. It's not from Turkey. It's right here in uh, Brighton. Mm. So I don't know if you heard about the the Brighton cat killer. Did you hear the about cat it? killer? Yeah, the Brighton cat killer has right. been jailed for stabbing 16 pets. Wow. So uh, his name is Stephen Bouquet, uh, and he's denied killing nine cats and injuring seven more. So a security guard has been jailed for more than five years for stabbing 16 cats in a series of nighttime attacks. Stephen Bouquet killed nine cats around Brighton between October 2018 and June 2019. 17 more were injured. The 54-year-old has denied... 16 counts of criminal damage and possession of a knife, but was found guilty in June, uh, I'm guessing 2021. Mm. Uh, Bouquet, who has been dubbed the Brighton cat killer, was sentenced to five years and three months in prison at Hove Crown Court. Before Bouquet's sentencing, a number of cats owners told the court about the impact of the killings. Catherine Mattox said she... (laughs) Boy. Catherine Mattox said she could not stop thinking about her cat, Alan, dead but warm in my arms, covered in blood. (laughs) that's kind of funny though what the fuck i don't know man the way you described that that, like why would you say that i don't know i don't know bro what do you mean like and that's a it's sick is it's sick as someone who has a who has a pet and i'm not one of those guys who go oh i'm a dog person because i've got a dog i i love dogs and cats i love them both yeah yeah, yeah. for me five years for this lunatic is absolutely nothing and i'll tell you why 
mm. pretty much like what 90% of serial killers start off harming animals. Mm. That's true. You're telling me you're going to send this guy who's basically a serial killer. I mean, to be fair, he's 54, so maybe he just doesn't have the physical strength to be a serial killer. But then again, there's many ways to kill. <laughs> that being said, you're sending this guy who's basically a serial killer in the making to prison for five years so he can just get angrier and then come out in five years' time and start killing people. Like, what the fuck? Mud. Like, this is the... I, you know, if it was like, oh, he killed one pet and you said, okay, five years. He you know, stabbed. I, I, he stabbed Aaron six bro. cats. No, he stabbed he stabbed 16 cats. Nine 16 of them died. Cats, bro. Yeah. 16. Do you know what it takes to stab something? Uh, do you remember in uh, science lesson when we had to yeah. dissect kidneys? Do you know how hard it was for me to like put the knife bro, inside? Today I have to do biopsies of human tissue, like mm. straight out of operations and stuff. I find it so difficult. It's like one of the hardest things. And that's something that's already been taken out of the patient. Like I was not, Imagine. you know what I mean? I'm not actually cutting the patient myself. This guy but, like, stabbed that cats. Is incredibly difficult for me. This guy's killed nine and stabbed 16 cats and it's like nighttime attacks so he's obviously yeah. planned it out and he's like, obviously unhinged let, let's bro, be honest like bro, he needs psychological like, help he's basically done what any serial killer would do to people but to animals eventually mm. he would have escalated i'm assuming to humans right oh for sure and yeah. you're getting a guy like this and putting him to prison for five years and he's going to come out angrier than ever and like what what is the full process here like surely he should be given more time five years is nothing to me Bro, I mean, first of all, five years, and then after the five years, fine. Then put him into a psychiatric hospital exactly. for the rest of his life. Because yeah, exactly. <laughs> throw away the keys. Don't, don't, away the don't keys. open the what door. What can you do to a guy like this? Like, he's killed nine cats, stabbed sixteen. You know, surely after the third one, you'll be like, ah, what I'm doing is a bit. Well, not even the third one. Sure, after the first one, you'll be like, ah, that was a bit fucked up. I shouldn't do that again. Like, <laughs> what the fuck, man? Because I yeah, remember when this fuck? story was going on. Hmm. At one point, they were saying, oh, maybe it's just uh, like a fox or something like that. Hmm. Because they were saying, like, surely not. But then, like, obviously, you're seeing, like, stab marks. And it's like, well, like, it can't be clean a fucking fox, cuts, can it? Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? So it's... Mm. You know what? Uh, it's, it's one scary, time, man. Yeah, one time, mm-hmm. I got a story. One time, I was walking down towards school back in the mm. day on the road. And I found a cat, like, obviously, like, sliced in half, like, from its stomach. There's no way it could have been any other animal. So maybe the Brian oh, is a killer, clean cut. clean cut. It was a knife. I'm telling you, man. It was a knife because his guts were laying out and it was a clean cut through the middle. Now, the Brighton killer, I think, was from London. I think it might be Aaron, actually. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Guys, if you're listening to this, I'm, I'm in I trouble. It might be Aaron, you know. Fuck Please off. help. Uh, say. No, like, but no, no, but like, this is a valid point that, well, not the me being the serial killer, but, but the, the part that, like, there are fucked up people all over the mm. place and yeah. they do start off by killing animals. Like, this is, they, they, no, I That's don't true. think, I, I think in literally like nine out of 10 cases, the first kill for these people is animals yeah, and then animal they move animals. on to humans. Like, it's very rare that the, the first time the guy decides to be violent or whatever, he kills a, a human first time around. Yep. So this is very scary to me. Like, well, I, I had to read that headline because I was like, there's no way that anyone thinks that that's a good idea to do that. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, God help us all. If this guy's stabbing cats, man, I'm getting scared, man. That's insane. That's 16. Bro, you know what it takes to do 16? That's like, that's some intense planning. I think it's as hard to kill a cat as it is to kill a human. I think you need to seclude them. You need to make sure people aren't looking, you know, to get away with it. It's the same concept. 
Yeah, I mean, cats are very intelligent creatures as well. So, you know, it's not cats aren't just going to randomly walk up to you. And the cats are, you know, the whole old adage is that like dogs are very friendly and cats aren't. So it's yeah. like to get a cat to trust you to come near you and then to harm you like that. I mean, it's really it's fucked up. I mean, you know, like when you that. think about pets, pets yeah, are kind of weird. like children who stay children. They don't get mm. any smarter, right? Yeah, yeah. But they're, they're like kids. Do you know what I mean? So it's like for somebody to even have that full process is a very dangerous thing. And then this guy is just getting, what, five years? This is a That's really man. fucked up, man. I mean, this bro, bro listen, man. if you don't pay your council tax, you can get five years. You're telling me it's the same. You're you're putting the same amount of weight on this shit? Exactly. Come on, man. No, that's insane. I don't know, man. It's a bit scary when I think about that kind of stuff. Again, it's not just the fact that they have to lure the cats. But they have to kill it without anyone noticing. Not once did anyone see one of the 16 cats die. I assume. I assume they just narrowed it down to this guy, which is like insane. 16. Like, this, this guy would have been a professional there, killer. There has to be planning involved this... to get away with like 16 kills. Do you know what I mean? This guy would have been a professional, bruv. Like, forget about Ted Bundy and all them. This guy is a top of the top. 16. And bro, the day he decides, yo, I'm going to start doing this on people, that's it. Like, you know what, I mean? what can you do, bruv? It's over, man. It's over. So I'm glad this guy's locked up. It's kind of weird. Brighton as well. I don't, I don't know what it is about Brighton, bro, but I keep hearing like weird stories like this in Brighton. So. I don't know. Nice holiday place, apparently, but I don't think I'll be going there. No, Brian's nice. Brian's nice. It's a nice area to go to, but it's mm. just, yeah. Oh, you like it there, do you? Yeah, mm. I do like it there. Oh, okay, okay. Mm. <laughs> it's interesting. Move. <laughs> well, you've never been to Brian Pier? I've never been, you know. I actually need to go sometime. But, um, That's got zero fucking culture. But anyways, uh, you know, last the last story, I'll just read the headline and you tell me. I, I don't really want to get into this too much, but a man has pled guilty to Professor Chris Whitty's park assault. So uh, I don't know if you know about this, but uh, a man has pleaded guilty to assaulting England's chief medical officer, Chris Whitty, in central London. Lewis Hughes, 24, from Romford, East London, admitted one charge of assault by beating Professor uh, Whitty in St. James Park on June 27th, mm. which was shared on social media, showed two men grabbing Prof Whitty, who struggled to free himself. Hughes um, apologized yes, for yeah. any upset caused and said he had lost his job as an estate agent over the incident. Well, good, because good, yeah. Like, what do you want me to say? Like, oh, I feel sorry for you. Yeah, you were. Yeah, me- you're not this guy, to- man. <laughs> fuck you, bruv. Like, what do you mean you're just beating up people in, in the street? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's as if this is like, oh, apologies, bro. There's no apology. Like, you get your service and you get your whatever you, your punishment is, and you take it to the chest like a big man. Because, boy, like, I don't understand, man. And you know what's also scary? Like, actually, the professor was lucky because the way yeah, he was rising yeah. in the UK, especially in London. Dude, is a is a pandemic if you look at the statistics in the UK. Like yeah, everyone, everyone's the, got a knife nowadays. It's, everyone's it's got terrible. a knife, man. You can't fight. Like back in the day, you could at least like, do you know what I mean? If someone stepped to you, like you at least have the confidence to say, all right, it's a one-on-one. But in these days, like if someone steps to you, you have no idea what he's carrying. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, as it says in that in that thing, I think it's like either there was another two people with him or there was two people and he this guy was one of them. Um yeah, I think, yeah, so there was two men. So it's like two against one. And first of all, look, first of all, attacking anyone in the street, I'm against. Why are you fighting people in the street for, man? You're, you're, as adults, I feel like you should have enough, like, uh, social skill to be able to talk things out, even if you're angry. Hmm. You know, you say fuck off and you walk away, right? First of all, why are you even having a fight in the middle of the street? And then secondly, you're attacking a guy who's the chief, uh, you know, chief medical officer for the government. 
who is literally just trying to look out for people's well-being. It's not like he's a, like this is where conspiracy theory and stuff gets gets out of hand. Mm. This guy's a professor. He's dedicated his life to his field. He's coming yeah, out and he's doing what he's doing because he wants to protect the net, like you know, the general public's health. And you decide to attack him. He's so like, and you're 24 as well. Have you not even tried with life before Rubbish. you decide to throw it away? You fucking stupid idiot. And he and he's a what? He was an estate agent as well. But now I'm seeing sense. a I'm seeing estate... a still from the video. He's smiling his head off as he's attacking this guy. He's you know a what? fucking prick. Estate agents are are evil though. So I actually understand. Oh, they're proper scumbags anyway. Proper so if you're an estate so, agent so listening to this, fuck you. Yeah, I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, estate agents, they especially the London ones. Mate, I'm telling you, that man getting away with bloody murder right now. I don't know, man. They're they're different. They they move different. They're scary as well. You know, like the Brighton guy. Estate agents are like just below, like the level below. Yeah, they, they ain't cats. just killing cats yet, but you see that in their potential. You see that. You see exactly like sociopaths. But um, yeah, no, we, I was actually I'm glad that he's been given. You know, he's obviously been found guilty and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I hope he gets given a long sentence because what the fuck are you doing? First of all, yeah, yeah. And then you talk about I'm sorry if I've caused any upset, bro. You literally attacked the man in the park. Why didn't you apologize <laughs> to him first? And talk about if I caused any upset, upset you know, like as if it's a small thing. Like oh, yeah, I didn't what, mean to. what idiot, bro? Like oh, honestly, no, no. I hope he just gets the max sentence for a name. Um. But yeah, anyway, th- that's us. We've read through all of the you know ones we thought were interesting since our last podcast. Um, nice. So yeah, I think uh, I think we can. Uh, I think we can this, end this podcast there. I th- you know, I feel like we maybe might not be doing movie reviews going forward because again, Steve hasn't watched the mo- last movie I said, and I just can't be bothered anymore. I mean, to so. be fair, it's been two days since the last pod. So can you give it a rest? I beg you. I watched it two days. When was the last podcast? When did we do the last podcast? Like two days ago. Ah, true. Okay, well, basically, it's my it's my birthday weekend, so obviously, I'm I'm we're recording this a bit early. So if something crazy happens between the Friday and the Wednesday, um, we're sorry, but we we record this a bit early. You know what's weird? You know what's weird? Can I say how was our birthday like a week apart? I just realized that. Well, bro, I mean, uh, that's mad. it was destiny. It was destiny. It was meant to be, bro. It was meant to be, bro. It was meant to be. It was meant to be. What can you say? And anyway, on that note, uh, thank you for listening. And I guess um, if you have the Patreon. And you'll join, you'll hear us and join us on the Patreon episode today or this week. And I hope you guys that don't have Patreon, you know, gather some shame and actually sign up. Um, so thank you very you much. You fucking bums, bro. Don't you have £2.99 a month? Come on, bro. You're, you're worse than the 60. 16- bro, get your money up, man. Get your money up for real, man. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll see you next right, time. Safe, man. Safe. Uh, Steve, why didn't you say who said having fun and being serious can't go hand in hand? That was bloody brilliant.